All right, everybody, welcome to the UMA 180 Win Podcast. We're so excited this week to have Janae Aix-Norris joining us from Lake Tahoe Yoga. Welcome, Janae. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Lake Tahoe? Sure. So it was serendipity. Uh, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, uh, we grew up in the East Coast and uh, went to college and we're living out there adventuring. Both got our degrees, studied for a long time, and then looked for jobs in the West Coast because we were ready for something new and uh, moved out here. I thought I was going to be a school counselor forever. And uh, I met some people, started teaching some yoga, ended up opening a studio. And then one thing led to another. I decided to leave the school and to pursue my passion of teaching of yoga and incorporating uh, counseling and therapy into that. Yeah, so you really didn't really make an entire uh, uh, departure from counseling. You just took a different avenue to get to people. Maybe they're a little bit older and, and something like that, yeah? <laughs> well, you know, as an elementary school counselor, I'm not just counseling the children. There's a whole lot of engagement with the uh, parents and other adults in the community. Okay. So since you've gotten into this business, have you seen uh, your yoga practice change and kind of evolve as you've gone on? I know there's a lot of, you know, retail storefront yoga places that pop up and then they always seem to be gone within a couple of years. So how have you managed to kind of work through some of the trends that you see in yoga and, and stay relevant? So I began practicing yoga in the year 2000. And my practice has been very strong and very individual and very independent. I never really got into the pop culture, you know, we call them like party poses and uh, that whole idea of like focusing on the physical. My practice is much more internal, much more about self-study, about my behavior and how I treat other people and how I live in the world. Mm -hmm. So my studio has always been focused upon that, in particular, the practice of Svadhyaya, which is self-study. And my retail aspect in my studio space has included only local products and products that I value and that I find are worth using. Mm -hmm. I'm not, um, I'm not into looking good while I practice, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So not a lot of uh, high end yoga pants and the, the target yoga mom style. No, no. I buy stuff that functions. And in fact, most of the clothing that I wear for my yoga asana practices doubles for mountain biking and skiing and hiking and backpacking and paddleboarding, all the other yeah. things I do. Okay. Well, I think it's kind of interesting. When I was doing a little bit of research on yoga, I mean, you see anything between uh, its origin being five to sometimes 10,000 years old, you know? And so yoga has been around for a long time, but it seems, you know, in the last 15 or 20 years, it's, I don't want to say it's trendy, but you know, there's been times where it gets a little trendy and then it'll take these really strange, um, you know, little turns where, you know, hot yoga was really big and it may still be currently. Then you saw like baby yoga or pregnant mom yoga. And then I've even seen things like goat yoga. And I think they're cool and they seem kind of fun, but they don't seem like they have real longevity. So how have you managed to kind of stay out of that uh, world of, uh, you know, all the trends in yoga and, and try and keep it to what you think is more of the traditional practice? So I am trained in what's called Raja Hatha Yoga 
which is bringing together the two roots of the practice. So Raja is the mindfulness aspect. So when you hear people talk about meditation and mindfulness and uh, silent sitting, those kinds of practices, that's the Raja side. And then the Hatha side is the physical, the effortful. And I just always come back to that. And in fact, when I run my yoga teacher training, I focus very much on diving deep into the history of yoga and understanding how it began and why it began. And then one of the big aspects I always touch on is that whenever something begins, quote unquote, um, there's always going to be aspects that people really like and that they attach to. And so as each individual practitioner over time found an aspect they were really drawn to, they focused upon it. And then that developed a new lineage or style of practice. And so it's like with anything, you can choose to practice on one particular aspect, or you can look at it as a whole and do the practice as a whole, which in my training and focus is the most effective way to find yoga. Okay. Well, and it seems like the original concept of it was about having greater consciousness. Is that correct? Uh, well, discovering basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah, discovering basically who we are and why we're here. That was the okay. big question. And I think we're still asking it. For sure. Well, and, and it's funny, as a small business owner, there must be times where you, you're in this five to 10,000-year-old business, yet you're running a 10-year-old company. So you've got uh, to have this sort of strange, like, how do I make my business better while you're digging into these things? So I'm curious, are you ever in like pigeon pose and you're in this deep, uh, you know, deep uh, pose or whatever, and you suddenly think, man, I need to do this for my business, or, oh, I got to make sure I updated the software for my scheduling or something like that, because you're kind of dealing in two totally different worlds. Does that happen to you ever, or can you shut one off and stay really focused on the other? So my practice, my personal practice is very separate from my business. Hmm. Uh, and so yoga has been around for a really long time and it's only been a business for a short time. Uh, so we can say like 70, 1970s forward is when it really started becoming a business and people started paying to be guided. Uh, but the most authentic practices, the most authentic practices are given and usually taught one-to-one. -one. Uh, so when I'm focused on my business I'm truly focused on my business. And when I'm focused on my practice, I'm truly focused on my practice. So that's, that's got a unique situation because, you know, you're, you're obviously, like I said, you're dealing with two separate things. So you as a coach is totally different from you as one who actually, in, in fact, practices yoga yourself. Okay. Yes. And I've done some yoga in the past and I always loved it. I, the one thing that I always loved was where I'd go up to the class and there might be just like one or two of us in the class. Cause I knew you'd get a lot of attention. I always really liked when the teacher would come and like push you deeper into poses, you know, they'd always kind of warn you, they wouldn't just start slamming your head into the ground. But I just love that you would have that attention and just the touch and, and all that it was really, it was interesting to, um, you know, to have that real focused attention. So by you saying that's how it was originally done, it was almost a gift. You always felt like, wow, I'm getting way more for my money, you know, and, and that was kind of that original concept. That's pretty cool. 
So do you find it difficult, though, to go from, uh, you know, running this type of business that a lot of people think is just like a retail, like, hey, I go to yoga, I, you know, do my class and then I leave, you know, and, and how are you trying to, you know, make a su- successful business out of this? Because there's some people that want to pay less and they probably want the gym to be a little different. They want you to offer something that maybe you don't offer. So how do you manage all those things? That's been a huge learning curve of mine. Honestly, I used to offer tons of discounts and I would flex for people and I I would just be like, how can I get you in? And I reached a point where I finally realized that I needed to stop cheapening myself Mm -hmm. and discounting what I offer. I've been teaching now for 15 years and I know that I have good skills and I have strong practices and I'm a talented guide. And so when somebody's asking for a discount, uh, I will reflect upon the reason that they're asking for that discount. But most often I am not going to decrease my rates. I'm not going to cheapen what I offer. And I reached a point where I decided what I charge is what I'm worth and I value what I'm worth and I value what you're receiving. And if you don't value that, then I honor your desire to go find a ser- that service somewhere else. Yes. You're offering a certain value and you know that it's worth it. You had mentioned before that you have gotten into some more like high end tourism or, you know, since Lake Tahoe has so much tourism, um, you must, you know, try to take advantage of some of that. What are some of the ways that you've done that? So I, I'm very, very good at what you mentioned before at the individualized sessions, more therapeutic and um, honoring people's requests and being able to create practices basically on the fly. And so I started getting into private sessions uh, for bachelorette parties, for events, for corporate groups. And then my connections in town opened the door to higher end events and groups, including reality TV stars, um, high-end clients that um, have private homes or rent luxury homes. And that led me into this realm of more luxury tourism and wellness tourism and not necessarily just yoga poses and yoga classes. And so that's moved me forward and progressed me into an even newer realm now, which is where I'm moving in 2021. Okay. And so so what are some of the other things that you want to do when you have a a client that likes that, you know, individual attention? Are there other things that you can add to the package that, that those guys are willing to pay for? Absolutely. Yeah. So everything from champagne toast to custom gourmet cupcakes, which come from a local vendor that I connect with, to uh, customize clothing and tours. Uh, And then I also recommend or refer to other local businesses that I trust that are owned by small business owners that people might not necessarily find. Uh, And then I can make recommendations of other unique activities or guided tours that people might not know about. So you kind of can act almost as a concierge in some ways for some of the different things that people want to do when they come to Lake Tahoe. Absolutely. Yeah. And secret spots they might not know to go to. 
Yeah, and Tahoe is a great place. I mean, I've been to Tahoe a number of times, but it must be kind of odd that you're doing what you're doing. You're a small business owner and you're kind of in the shadow of these massive casinos and all this entertainment that's available there. And I'm sure most casinos say, you know, they could easily come in and sit, offer yoga or offer different spa packages and things like that. So what's it like kind of being in a shadow of these these large entertainment conglomerates that are, you know, trying to get every dollar out, uh, out of a tourist that they can? So actually, I am a good referral partner with the casinos and hotels in the area because I offer something that they can't find. So they may offer yoga classes. And in fact, I've trained some of their yoga teachers, but they're just offering scheduled classes and their teachers aren't necessarily qualified or trained well enough to offer the higher end services that I offer. Mm-hmm. So I end up having really great connections and being able not only to refer people to particular hotels or casinos that I know offer what they want, but they refer to me because I offer something that they don't have available or are unable to do. Okay. Well, that's smart. I mean, to take advantage of their massive reach, you know, and to, to try to get some of the, those clients from them seems like a good idea. Um, so running your business, are you using a lot of technology as you run your business? Um, I, I'm familiar with some of the scheduling software that they'll use at different studios. And, you know, that's really it. What else would you need as you're, as you're doing these things? Do you work with the Chamber of Commerce to see if there's like tour groups coming in or anything like that? How does that work into your day-to-day business? That's probably been one of the most interesting things I've reflected upon over time as a business owner, uh, particularly as a yoga studio owner. So when I first started, I had just pieces of paper and uh, they were on a clipboard and it would say like name, you know, phone number, what class are you taking? How did you pay kind of thing? And I would, I had binders, binders and binders of like hand signed waiver forms. And just this past year, I got rid of all of those that I had been saving. But it's been this crazy growth of moving from that kind of stuff to now having to make sure that I have a waiver form that's legitimate and I can have that signed online. So it has to be signed properly. And the registration programs, there's hundreds of applications out there. I have to go through and test them and make sure I find one that works. I think I found one that works now. Uh, I use two different applications for booking because I offer scheduled sessions and then I also offer outdoor adventures. And then I do tons of social media marketing. I do graphic design. I design my own website. And then I also do work with the local chamber of commerce and then local, um, uh, what would they be called? Like, um, advertising agencies, marketing agencies, tourism agencies, uh, where I'm on their lists so that when the real housewives of Beverly Hills come to Tahoe and they want yoga, I'm the one they refer to. Okay. And so that business must just build on itself over time. So that's really a time-based business by getting those referrals and having people come back or tell their friend when you're there, you got to call Janae about yoga or, or one of these other services. A lot of word of mouth, a lot of staying in contact, a lot of thank you gifts. Okay, yeah. 
Well, so again, back to that whole thing, you're dealing in yoga, yet you've got to stay very cutting edge, you know, to, to kind of keep up with the competition of running your business. So back to what you said before, the idea that you can stay and separate these things out in some ways has got to be a huge advantage. So when you're doing your business, you're thinking one way. And when you're, you know, doing your practice or helping someone with their practice, it's got to be full focus on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will say that my practice of yoga informs my business, Mm -hmm. but if I were to constantly be thinking about my business while I'm engaging in my own practice, I wouldn't be focused on what I need to be. And that everything that I gain through my practice serves me as a business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't feel like I get uh, overly stressed or worked up that could also be knowledge and experience and wisdom <laughs> informing me. But uh, that continued practice has definitely served me and, and definitely directed me as I make business decisions. Yeah. And, and particularly as, as people are coming into town, they might not even want to do yoga or they might have a practice that they do and wherever they're from, but they hear about you and some of these other things that you offer. So you've still got a lot of different ways that you can you know, touch that tourist or that, you know, the tourist community, even if they're not particularly interested in in yoga. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think it's interesting. um, And I would be curious with your experience, do you find it's more exciting as a teacher to work with someone who's brand new, who's never done any of these things? Or do you find you really like working with someone who's super experienced and you guys can kind of dive into, you know, maybe much more advanced poses or things like that together, which which is for a teacher more exciting? It's more about personality. So when somebody comes to me who truly and authentically wants to learn and is very much interested in gaining new knowledge and really diving into the practice, it doesn't matter if they're a beginner or if they're very experienced, there's going to be a connection and we're going to have an enjoyable time. Uh, But what's frustrating is when somebody comes with pre-existing expectations or specific wants or needs and then they take class with me and, and they're not really interested in learning. They just want to do their own thing. And that's fine. I'll let them do that. But it's not going to be as enjoyable for either of us. Yeah. And I would imagine you'd run into that with some really experienced people where they think, oh, I already know this or I've done that. And you're just like saying here, just position yourself a tiny bit differently this way. It's really fun when you get into something and, you know, like take an Olympic athlete, you know, the, the amount of change that a coach will provide them is almost invisible to the naked eye. And I would imagine it's similar with what you're doing. And so you want to have someone that is first of all, willing to accept your coaching and trying to, you know, learn how to improve. And at the same time, you're probably seeing some students and thinking, wow, they're doing something that I never, you know, I've always taught it this way and I'm seeing them do something else. So like just to be constantly improving yourself in that way, similar to what you would do on the business side, it seems like that would be, you know, really beneficial. And you clearly have the attitude where you don't know everything and you're trying to learn as you, as you go along and continually improve. And I mean, ultimately that's what we're all trying to do. We want to get better every day, but it seems like you have that aspect, you know, in spades. Well, I've, I've learned I've had to let go of a lot. My teacher and I talk often about, you know, when I was going through my training and I were, when I first started teaching and ego is really powerful 
And it's very easy to think, well, I know this and I've got this. And I've been in many classes and done many practices where I've been like, oh, this is awful. What's this teacher doing? <laughs> but then I've taken classes from teachers who I, you know, had never met and they were new and they taught me something brand new. Uh, and so in yoga, we call it having a beginner's mind. And, and if you can get to that point where you're like, I'm ready, I'm going to accept whatever comes from this, then you're in a good place. Uh, but that's not to say you shouldn't be discerning because you can also be in a place where somebody gives you something new and not so good. So it's this constant practice of saying, what have you got? And uh, does this actually serve me? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I, like I said, I've done yoga several times and I've always enjoyed it. I love just how deep you can get into it. And I'm not like a, I don't know if this is the right term, but I'm not like a new agey kind of guy, but I love that aspect of it. Like I was just able to like just sink in and I mean, you literally just feel the stress pour off of your body. It just goes away, you know? And so, but it's all about connecting with the coach. There were some guys or the teacher, there were some people that would make it more of like a workout and you're just like, well, I don't, I'm not going to the gym. I came here to do something different. So I always found like, do they even understand what's happening? Even as a beginner, I thought this is not the way it's supposed to be, you know? So uh, that's pretty cool. So we only have a couple more minutes. What are some things that you might say would be advice for someone that's not just uh, in the yoga world, but as a small business owner, that's, you know, trying to, uh, to grow their business, maybe even at a time like this with COVID. So my yogic advice is when things are coming to you easily, uh, meaning that you put the effort in and then you receive a result that is positive and that keeps you moving in that direction, then you're probably going in the right direction. Uh, and I've run into this on so many occasions where something just, I'm, it's coming easily. I know that I'm moving in the right direction. I can feel it in my heart. I can see it in the results that I'm getting. Then I know I'm moving in the right direction. Um, and then there's the other side of things, right? Where like things are challenging and you just feel like you're fighting and it's this battle all the time. That's not the direction you should be heading in. And um, I've been in that circumstance when I've been like shopping online or when I'm working on my business or when I'm attempting to get into a posture. And just because something worked yesterday or you were able to access something yesterday doesn't mean that it's going to be the same today. And so you just have to keep putting the effort in. That's the hata, right? Do the work, put the effort in, be prepared. And then you also have to be willing to step back and to detach and to just observe what happens as a result that we did of the work that you did. And if you keep doing that, then ultimately you'll be able to see your way and you'll know which path to walk on. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because when you started saying that and you were saying if things are coming easy, my mind was leading me to think you were going to say, then you're doing it wrong. It shouldn't be easy. It should always be hard because that's what you hear all the time. Like, oh, I had to work harder. But you're right. There's certain things that you could just naturally, you know, if you're moving in the right direction, you're if accepting the uh, teaching, it should flow uh, and happen naturally. So what would be the same things then for the business? Would you use that same advice for your business? I absolutely do. In fact, my current circumstance, I um, had moved out of my old location 
And I thought I was going to move into a new location that I was negotiating and it didn't work out. And so it has been a full year since I moved out of my old location and things have come pretty easily. (laughs) And I have this great new location and I'm not concerned about when I'll open and things are happening as they need to. And I know this space will be ready and it'll open at the right time. And as long as I just keep working and preparing and putting the effort in, I know it's going to be okay. Okay, cool. You have a you have a great attitude about that all happening. So with COVID, have, has it been difficult to do classes? I can't imagine you can do you know too many have too many people inside. Do you do more outdoor classes, maybe with some sort of distancing, or how would that work? So I was doing completely virtual practices during the spring of 2020. And once we were into the warmer weather, I was able to offer more outdoor classes and continued virtual practices. And now that we've transitioned into the cooler weather of winter, my classes are back to virtual. But once the new space opens, I'll be offering those small group, individualized, uh, very high-end and personalized practices. I don't know that I'll be ever going back to offering large group practices, uh, mostly because I enjoy teaching those smaller sessions and giving people that one-on-one attention. Uh, And also, I feel like maybe we're all feeling like we want that individualized attention but also that in-person experience. And so that's where I see myself transitioning. Well, and you've done all the legwork to get yourself to, to be in this position. It would be really tough to start right now and just say, I'm only going to do you know, classes with one or two people. So the fact that you were on this path and then COVID happened and you were able to kind of transition out of it, I think it's going to be hard for businesses to not only figure out how they get through COVID, but then how do you get out of it? And you clearly have a, a pretty good path to get out of it as well. So um, I'll just keep working. <laughs> yeah. So we've got just another minute or so. Any last advice you would give to anyone that's listening, any uh, business owner or uh, anyone else coming up? So I had a moment uh, a couple years ago where I was considering going back into working for the school system and being a counselor again. And I was weighing, you know, do I go back to that or do I stick with being a business owner? Because I had hit a low. I'd, I'd hit a point where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can survive this way. And within me, I just felt this like, this is where I'm meant to be. I have to stick with this. And that's actually one of the hashtags I use all the time with Lake Tahoe Yoga. And um, I, I said, you know, this is where I'm meant to be and I know it and I need to force myself into a different position that isn't right. And, you know, when you're faced with these opportunities and you have a minute to reflect upon where am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to do? And should I go into business or should I stay working for somebody else? You know, take the time to reflect upon what both of those look like for you and how you see yourself moving forward in your life and give yourself the opportunity to make a decision that's truly right for you. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think that's something that everybody could take advantage of, regardless of your situation. Um, well, Janae Aix-Norris from Lake Tahoe Yoga, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 